Good evening, everyone. Bonsoir, mesdames et messieurs. Bienvenue au Institut Canadien du Film. Welcome to the Canadian Film Institute and Carleton University. This is a hardcore cinephile audience here tonight. Thank you for coming out to see uh, Antiviral uh, and to meet, which you've all done already, uh, our special guest artist, uh, Brandon Cronenberg. We, uh, the CFI, this is our final show of our 2014-2015 uh, season. Uh, and the organization, uh, which is a non-profit, non-governmental uh, cultural organization, will have its 80th birthday uh, in late August. So we're eight decades into this business. And in spite of my appearance, I have not worked at CFI for 80 years. Um, so thank you for coming. Uh, one of the things that the Institute is, uh, its mandate is to promote uh, Canadian cinema in all its forms, particularly uh, independent uh, Canadian filmmakers and film artists, and we uh, created this series called The Enlightened Screen a few years ago uh, to, I suppose, as a rubric under which to bring in various kinds of Canadian filmmakers who are uh, who are making work in different styles and in different ways, uh, but who are working here in Canada and uh, uh, shaping Canadian cinema. So our, our guest tonight, of course, is uh, the latest uh, in this ongoing series, which will continue into uh, our 80th year, which starts in, uh, in the fall. Um, so we're thrilled to have him uh, with us tonight. Uh, he's going to present, of course, the feature film Antiviral, but he has a few surprises for you, too. And our enlightened screen procedure is screenings followed by Q&A. Fame. Glamour. Perfection. What if you could find it all at the tip of a needle? Here at the Lucas Clinic, we strive to bring you closer to celebrity than ever before. With samples drawn directly from the source, you can be connected in ways you never imagined. Tell us how you came up with the idea of this film, because I think it's a fascinating idea about celebrity culture and all that stuff. Where did it come from? Yeah, it was in the first year of film school. I had this, this really horrible fever, and I was just... Uh, you know, in a, in a fever state, and I was, I was obsessing over the physicality of my illness and the fact that I had these, these things in my body that had been created in someone else's cells and then transmitted to my body and were now penetrating my cells. And just the fact that that was the, something actually incredibly intimate in a weird way and maybe erotic, but at the very least, um, that there was a, a, an extremely physical, intimate connection there. And so afterwards, I was trying to think of a character who might see disease as something uh, as something intimate and I thought you know a celebrity obsessed fan you could imagine uh, someone you know it was 10 years ago thinking they wanted Angelina Jolie's cold or something like that that that, 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 that would there would be uh, a way of physically connecting with uh, the object of their obsession and it sort of grew out of that and the, the script process of getting it from that idea that you had when you were feverish to this, I mean, that takes a while, obviously. Um, was that an interesting process for you to, like, was, how interesting was it now that you labored over it and you made the film? And, um, but when you f first had the notion of, of narrativizing this idea, um, tell us a bit about how you started to write that down and get characters and, and what, what you drew from them around you, I guess. Uh, well, it, uh, it took me eight years to, to write it, but I went through film school, four years of film school, and I made short films in the meantime, so it was, it was kind of in the background of all that. 
Um, and I went about it, I think, the worst way that anyone can, <laughs> can, can, can write a script. Like, I just sort of sat down and started writing it and then got to a dead end with it and then put it aside and then rewrote it. And I think I had like 50 drastically different versions over the course of eight years. And, uh, you know, Arvid was a detective at one point and there was this whole like detective crime element and it was just, uh, so it was a really long meandering uh, process that took a very long time. Um, and I would never do it that way again. <laughs> but I didn't know what I was doing and I'd never written a feature script before. So I was just sort of, uh, I guess, trying to figure it out as, as I went. You know, I was never really crazy about film, I guess, growing up. I mean, I was sort of around it a little bit, but I was never really a cinephile. I was more uh, into books and, and I was kind of nerdy that way, I guess. Um, and I, I kind of came to film because I was trying to do too many sort of disparate things. I was really into visual art and I was into to writing and music. And at a certain point, I kind of thought, okay, film is an interesting way to collect all of those things into one art form. Um, so yeah, in terms of my father, I mean, he never pushed me towards or away from film. And, I, you know, obviously uh, I was aware of it and had some insight into that process just growing up around it, but it didn't, if anything, I think I was more resistant to get into film uh, because it was what was expected of me and I would meet people who were like, oh yeah, you're going to get into film and follow your father's footsteps. And I, you know, took great pleasure in being like, no, I hate film. I would never, <laughs> you know, I had no interest. Um, and then I sort of started to realize that was a stupid reason to not do something potentially really interesting. And then I gradually uh, became pretty enamored with the art form. And, and Do you not agree that the mania surrounding celebrity is reaching an unhealthy level? No, I don't. My clients want to feel more connected to those people that they see in the magazines and on television. Enjoy. So far, I've had all her diseases. <laughs> Must have been expensive. Is there any way you could spread it? <laughs> what happened to Anna Geist? How difficult was it to raise money to make the feature? Was it relatively easy or was it, you know, people are like, well, Brandon. Um, it was really easy, but because I, <laughs> because I got extremely lucky and not um, I, I mean, most people think it came out of nepotism, but it was actually, my father wasn't really involved in producing this. It was a roundabout, uh, a roundabout thing where I went to film school. Uh, I met a student there named Kevin Cricks, who went, to, uh, went on to work at Rhombus. Um, and he's a producer there now. And so he, I made a short film at the end of film school that was uh, kind of, I guess, a proof of concept for antiviral. That was based on the feature script that I was writing and it got into a couple of student film festivals and he, was, he introduced me to Neve, uh, who's the, the main producer there. And Neve happened to be doing a series of uh, first-time feature films uh, because he had some money that he could play with uh, from Telefilm because, you, you know, you get, they sort of trust you if you're, <laughs> if you're a successful producer and he decided instead of investing that money into uh, another big film, he would do something very interesting, which was to support young filmmakers and make a series of debut films. Uh, so Hobo with a Shotgun, I don't know if any of you, uh, probably. <laughs> um, but that was the first one in the series. And then the second one was uh, this film called The Boy Who uh, Smells Like Fish. 
and then mine was the third one uh, in that series. So, uh, yeah. so we didn't have to scrounge for money in the normal way. He had a certain amount of money that he could play with. I'm not sure. No one mentioned stars really, <laughs> which is it, which is it, because it's true. Toronto was hit, and people were wearing masks, and it was very interesting um, and horrible, but but really interesting from that perspective. Um, yeah, no one made that connection, as far as I know. But the idea of disease as a metaphor was interesting to people, and the idea that by participating in this culture, we kind of make ourselves diseased, and at the same time taking. You know, specifically herpes. Uh, we were very interested in herpes because uh, it's very ornate <laughs> in a way, and it's something that we we have a very visceral revulsion to. So the the idea that that this culture of celebrity is so powerful that we can overcome this this revulsion and, and begin to see something like herpes as a, a mark of pride or as you know jewelry in a way, I, I think was. Um, was interesting to people, or it was interesting to me anyways. And uh, it works because it's such a universal thing, you know what I mean? It's not even like, okay, spiders. Some people are <laughs> you know, phobic of spiders, but some people really like spiders, you know, it's not. Um, I mean, disease is something, you know, not, not that we have a universal, because someone was talking about bug chasers and, and people who try to spread HIV deliberately and, and or, get HIV deliberately. So there are obviously uh, particular cultures that do have that stuff, subcultures that have, you know, the fetishization of disease. It's not totally universal, but it's fairly universal. So the idea that it could flip in, uh, in a broad way uh, because something else has taken, has sort of eclipsed our, our usual instinct towards um, disease. I think it, it made it a useful a uh, useful metaphor that way. I didn't have a clear first choice. We talked a lot about uh, about that role because it seemed like um, it seemed like a good role in the film for a kind of you know cameo casting thing. It didn't require a lot of onset days, so we could uh, conceivably get somebody you know bigger than <laughs> you know bigger than the the baseline of fame for the film and and, and look at getting some sort of interesting uh, well-known actors. And so that was appealing both from a creative perspective and from a business perspective. Um, and yeah, Malcolm is just a lovely human being and he, he's a really nice guy and um, uh, one of his sons is beginning to be a filmmaker so he's very sympathetic to, uh, to young filmmakers and he's willing to work with young filmmakers. And, uh, so. Yeah, it, it, it was surprisingly not, we didn't have to coax him, we said, you know, it's like a two-day shoot, will you come? And, and he was up for it, so, and it was a great experience. Uh, what are you working on now? I have three films that I'm working on uh, that are all at various stages of development that I can't talk about in any sort of meaningful way. <laughs> because none of them have been announced yet, and you never know if they're going to fall through or whatever, so... Um, but yeah, so I have a few things, a few things, that, and hopefully I'll be able to talk more about them kind of towards the end of the year. But. Thank you so much for coming and showing us your work. Oh, thank and, you. uh, Brandon Cronenberg. Thanks, thanks for all coming. I very much appreciate it.
understand how this isn't considered cannibalism.